The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of The Wheel of Time Season 1, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in this streaming Amazon show. Joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. Howdy, Dom. Shelly Kelly. Hi, Shelly. Hi, Dom. <laughs> I got your name right this time on take yes. two. And Thomas Senerhoe. Hey, Thomas. It's great to be here. Uh, folks, be sure to follow the Secrets of Movies and TV shows in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, in your favorite podcast app, or at the StarQuest Media YouTube channel. We should also make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. And I want to first, before we get to our topic, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss all of Star Trek from the original series, animated, movies, TNG, DS9, Voyager, uh, Enterprise, Discovery, Picard, and, you know, everything that's coming to Prodigy, Lower Decks. There's so much Star Trek to discuss. Uh, Father Corey and Jimmy Aiken and I talk about it all. Check it out wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash trek. All right. But here we're talking about The Wheel of Time. This is a series on Amazon that is based on Robert Jordan's 14 book series. And we'll talk a little bit about the books in a second, but I kind of want to lay the groundwork of what the wheel of time is like the, the, the world is it's kind of hard to describe. <laughs> well, you'll yeah. understand why it's hard to describe. So this, I, I pulled this off of Wikipedia. Okay. So bear with me. Cause it, it's got all of the Wikipedia, uh, uh, perhaps problems, but here, here you can tell me if it gets it right. At the dawn of time, a deity known as the creator forged the universe and the wheel of time, which spins the pattern of the ages using the lives of men and women as its threads. The wheel has seven spokes, each representing an age. And as it is rotated by the one power, which is the source of magic, which flows from the true source, the one power is divided into male and female halves called Sidin and Sidar, which work in opposition and in unison to drive the wheel. The wheel is like the world. You know, just keep that in mind. Humans who can use its power are known as channelers. The principal organization of such channelers in, in the books is called the Ace Sedai, or Servants of All in the Old Tongue. The, in history, the Ace Sedai accidentally led the Dark One, the devil, out of his prison. And so the wheel spun out, created the person known as the Dragon, who had the ultimate channeling power, to fight him as a champion for the light. But when the dragon defeated the Dark One, all the male channelers were infected so that using the power drives them insane. And so they're all all male channelers must be hunted down and dealt with. Uh, is that about right? Is that that kind of set the stage for the story that begins? <laughs> More or less. More or less. <laughs> it's so hard to say yes to that. It's kind of funny listening to someone who's never read the series talk about a yes. summarize the world. So. So that's that's one thing I want to point out. So I have only seen the show, the eight episode first season, but all three of you have read more or less the books. Um, has anyone read them all? No, I, I, no. <laughs> no. Shelly, Shelly, you and I are both we've kind of gone about about the same point about book 10, book 11. I want to say I got to the last book written by Robert Jordan okay, in its 11. entirety, which was Knife of Dreams in 2005. Um, mm -hmm. So that there's three books after that that he had left extensive right. notes for before his death and, and were finished Brandon by a different Sanderson, author. Brandon Sanderson is a fantastic author. Oh, so yes. anyone who hasn't finished yeah. the series, yes. definitely go uh, finish the series. Don't don't say it's not Robert Jordan, so it can't be the same because Sanderson is amazing. And I've heard from people that have read it that he did a really great job. I've heard the same. Yeah. So yeah. we should. Yeah, so and, and there's not just are there the 14 books, 
Um, and by the way, Robert Jordan's initial intent was to do it in 12 books. So he wrote up to the 11th book and he was working on the 12th book. And he, there's a quote that you can find on the wiki where he was going to publish it in one last book, even if it was like 1500 pages <laughs> or you had to have a library cart to wheel it around. He was going to finish it in this last book. And Brandon Sanderson went to tour and uh, his widow and said, that's not going to happen. Right. And that's why we got the three, three last books. So there are 14 main books. There's also a prequel where we learn how, um, we learn about the birth of 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 the world Rand Althor. Yeah. Oh, we learned that backstory. We learned about Moraine, the the Sedai and her warder, how they met. Uh, so there's there's more that are that kind of fill in kind of the blanks. That's not really considered the mainline story, but it's kind of like the the prequel to the story. Right. Oh, she's got the <laughs> and don't the forget, there's book. lots of uh, compendiums to try and summarize yep. books for you, <laughs> right? And oh, to man. sum up all of the knowledge that are on wikis too. Yeah. Well, that, those, and, and, and those predate that, the wikis. Right, yeah. <laughs> and we got we to gotta make sure to say, too, that unlike another author, George R. R. Martin, <laughs> um, Robert Jordan, the only reason why he didn't finish his series is because he died. Well, George Martin is <laughs> kind of old, worried that that's going to so. yeah, I was going to say, I don't, know, I don't know that Martin's not going to fit that bill either. Yeah, I read up until the fifth book. So I got to the fifth book three times. I, I've read this, the first five books three times, and I keep trying to give this series uh, – I want to like it. I really want to like it. I, I, I love the concepts. It, it, if you put a list of all of the things that I should like on a piece of paper, this one checks a majority of them. The problem is that it's just I can't stand a majority of the characters. <laughs> and, and they and he has like 30 some odd characters that you're following through the course of everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And you get a whole chapter devoted to that character because they split up and go all over different parts of the world. And so eventually you get to the point where like I only liked one character. Honestly, I only liked Matt by by the <laughs> fifth book. Uh -huh. And he had very few chapters and I just I would I would literally skip some of the characters chapters because I just did not care about them at all. <laughs> Okay. Well, I have news for you, Tom. If, if some of those, he devotes a whole book, 800 pages to only yeah. one or two characters. Yeah. So I'll have I to look up it. which one is Matt's and you can just jump ahead. There you go. Just skip book. That's it. Well, well, there's there's something like 12,500 pages worth of the Wheel of Time series. Wow. Mm -hmm. Including the prequel. So if you know if you might happen to see online where people are complaining well they cut this out they cut that out of this this series we're talking about now tv series there's a reason for it the first book's 900 pages yeah right and when you start reading one after he had you know um after one had come out and then you wait a year or two and you start reading the new one you yes. can't remember who half the characters are uh, yes. so you have to go right. back to the one before that but you can't remember those either so then you go back to the one and before you know it you're reading the first five books again already so right right <laughs> so I do want to point out for anyone who hasn't read all the books, we're going to try to avoid spoiling anything that doesn't happen in the first season, because I would be really mad if you spoil anything <laughs> that hasn't bought even in the first season. So I hate spoilers, but, uh, but no, no, we're going to try to keep as much as we can to the spoilers. We can talk about overall things, but if we can avoid mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, direct spoiling well, and, of things. And I, I want to throw in a disclaimer here that we don't know what, the second season is going right. to cover. Um, and it's possible. There are things that we'll mention kind of as we're going through here that are in the books that are not in the first season that may come up in the next, that will possibly come up in the second mm -hmm. season. So we're, we're going to try not to spoil people, but. Well, then I would like, I, I would, I would like to point out before we, before we get too far off the books side of things. Well, I want to stay on the books really, for a bit. Okay. It, yeah. It's, yeah it's, it's really important to point out that this is a great series in the sense that what it does is it kind of establishes itself in the reality. And then by the end of this series, it is not the books anymore. It is very clearly not the books. It says uh, we're not going to follow the exact same path that the books had, but the concepts are very well, well handled. And that's one of the things that I think was really good with this whole show is that they, they handled the overall story really well. And they took a lot of the fluff that it kind of took Robert Jordan, I think, you know, three or four books to figure out about his characters mm -hmm. and just put it in this one and said, you know, let's go ahead and start that plot line because it's worthwhile. <laughs> so where does where does this the, the televised version diverge from the books? Like how like where does the, the big split happen? I mean, is it from the beginning? Is it in the concept like we have? I've seen in the books that the primary character is Rand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, and he's 
again, I'm spoiling the for the what we've seen in the TV series in this in the streaming series. I'm going to spoil that he's the dragon. Okay, mm-hmm. but yep. but early on, there's a question of one of these five people is the is the dragon. Was that the same way in the book series? No, it was three. Okay, there were three Taverin, and those were the three boys. Um, Egwene and Nynaeve were not secondary characters, but they weren't being considered as potential dragons. They right. were they immediately recognized for their ability <laughs> to touch the source and um, mm-hmm. and be the most powerful Aes Sedai that they've ever seen or the, that the wheel has ever spun out. So. And then Shelley, Shelley mentioned the word Taverin. And that is a very important concept in this because the three of them, they're threads that are always linked in the pattern. In as the wheel spins, these are threads that are always together. Okay. So when it was, you know, the 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 dragon way back, he had his two buddies that were always with him, and now they're they've been spun out as Matt and Perrin. Okay. So I want to I want to come back to that because that's an important thing. I want to like a concept in this. I want to address, but it is interesting that you know in in the concept of the show, men wielding the 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 power, the one power, men channeling as they call it. Um, is is bad because of the whole crazy thing uh and that's why but that's the dragon that's it's intimately connected to being the dragon is being a guy and that they felt like in the when they made a show out of it they had to instead do you think it was you know political correctness we we need to have like the girls be considered just as much as the boys is it it because it, it, it felt well, weird and, and, and to be yeah and, and to be fair i mean the only one that was different that they considered who could have been the dragon was nine was not nine excuse me Egwene. Egwene. okay Egwene. nine just kind of basically tracked them to to catch up with them later and that's in the book is, too not the tracking but yeah. that she catches up after the battle mm-hmm. so. yep yeah after the battle of course in the book they spend much more time in the two rivers and that's where she catches up with them and stuff like that it wasn't like this where you know they were gone for you know months and all of a sudden she catches up with them type of okay. deal i think it starts like like the book, doesn't it, Thomas? Doesn't it does. It start? Yeah, it, it starts oh, almost yeah. exactly like the book. Well, it, it skips the prologue, which is significant. And I think that's it was a good choice on their part to just kind of start in the dark. Uh, and the, the prologue is seeing the former dragon and what he did and how he broke the world, basically. Which gets I think explained. that's added as a bonus in yeah, right. uh, season one. That's a bonus feature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it? OK, because they they do go back to. Lose Theremin, right. the, the old dragon, as kind of a flashback yeah. right before it happens. Right. But it's not, but they don't actually show the, the fallout. And I think that um, I, I like the way the book puts that prologue in because it gives you this really weird sense of what's uh, of, of what we're looking back at when we're constantly talking about the male Sedai and the 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 madness that they go through because he writes the madness incredibly well it was mm-hmm. very well written and very clear in that scene but yeah the, it starts off with uh tam and rand coming into town and that's pretty it's much party time how the book starts <laughs> right right yeah it's you know the bell time which is their spring spring festival i would say too that with the girls um i think that it's some of the way that they approach the prophecy aspect in the in the show is good because it removes this very clear knowledge that everybody has about who's who and what's what and and allows us to explore it more in the books. It's like they almost know like you can like look at a person and when they exhibit a certain power, it's like, oh, well, you're just like this hero from ages gone past. And and that's kind of cheap because then you just you know what that person is, you know, and, and you've boxed that person in. The turn of that is that that's one of the main themes of the main characters is that they are always trying to escape being that same person. They want to be themselves, especially Rand. Rand is very uh, belligerent about the fact that he is Rand, not Luce Theron Reborn. And that's a so that's a key concept in this. It's that the time is cyclical, the wheel of time and the events of history repeat over and over. And it's basically a Buddhist or Taoist philosophy you know this yin yang duality the importance of balance kind of like star wars and the force um but also reincarnation is an important element in in this and that's from a christian point of view of course i mean it's the fantasy world so you know whatever we we accept we'll take the fantasy but that's not a thing god doesn't recycle souls (laughs) you every every individual's unique person and we're not bound by 
the past lives or anything like that that has come out of these sorts of things. But I uh, just thought it would be interesting to kind of mention that, 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 that from our point of view, from a Christian point of view, that is not a thing that uh, every individual is individual created from nothing. Now, now, you said that this is a fantasy world, but if you believe Robert Jordan, we're actually in the first age and this is occurring in the third age that this is actually Earth. Right. In like the way, 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 way future. Right. And it's weird because it's all sort of medieval looking, you know, how Hollywood sees mm-hmm. medieval looking or Middle Earthy sort of Tolkien. Well, sort that's of thing. all the books are written, too. Yeah. Is it's, it's kind of a middle, middle evil technology. Right. And but we the, don't know how long each age is. Right. Well, I saw right. a reference to like 3000 years between the, the first dragon and the current events. And what, the thing we see in, in the uh, near the end of the first season is, like you mentioned, we see the first dragon and about to go confront the dark one. And we're shown a world that is and I like the subtlety of the way they show it as someone who mm-hmm. didn't know what to expect, because mm-hmm. the first thing I noticed was the clothes are much finer. They're they're You know, they're not. They, they're well sewn and threaded and finer fabrics. The furniture is finer. The architecture is, looks really nice. And then we get a shot out the window and we see flying vehicles. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. this is this is the past. But the world was broken and therefore the world had descended into this, you know, uh, this brokenness. And you could see almost back to the stony. Right. Right. After it breaking. Yeah. Uh, so I really like that part of it. And that's a concept that will keep coming up through is we'll, as we get more and more flashes. Again, assuming they follow the books, more and more flashes from the past where you'll see that concept of humanity fell technologically big time. Right. When the breaking happened. Wow. OK. So um, so there, so there's that. So there's that duality. There's a, but there's also this idea, concept of there's a creator uh, called the light. And then there's the dark one, which I think even, even uses a name for the dark one. Uh, they call him shaitan. shaitan, which is an Arabic word for the devil. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. basically the <laughs> Arabic word for devil. So uh, that so it was interesting that they've that there is it's a world that has beliefs and has a, a religious system. It treats, you know, it's one of the things that it's interesting about a lot of fantasy uh, stories is that there are. You know, concepts of religion, there is a God or gods or good versus evil, and it's sort of built into the the system which i wonder is that tolkien because i mean everything pretty much written after 1935 pretty much is derivative of of lord of the rings in my point of view anything written in the modern world um and i wonder if that's his worldview kind of it's always these fantasy magic sword and sorcery sort of things is a battle of good versus evil and that's fundamental i I wonder how much of that though is just because that is a theme that's recurred in literature going all the I mean, going back even to the Middle Ages, you know, you read literature from back then. Um, and I, I think that part of the reason why we compare it to Tolkien is Tolkien is such a massive influence on fantasy going oh, yeah. forward from him. You know, it's, it's like saying, you know, well, this band sounds like the Beatles. Well, that's because the Beatles were such a massive influence on rock music going forward. Right. I would say, too, that it's... um. It's one of those things that I think a lot of people, when they're trying to write medieval fiction, uh, tend to think, oh, well, everybody was so simple. They explained things by the gods and the few places that it is escaped. Um, I believe the uh, David Eddings Belgariad uh, avoids the use of gods and they're kind of it, it's more of like a things are explained by magic. The magic is the the explainer and then becomes the technology that they end up using. And and so there are exceptions to that rule. But for the most part, I think that's what why it gets thrown in is. And it's funny because it's it's a religious flaw. The the God of the gaps, right, where you're trying to explain things and you can't. So you just say God did it. And that's that's not actually a proper uh, theological process. You don't ever do no. that. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's it literally a deus ex machina. Yeah. God in the machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Michael Moorcock might be another example of that. I think is. Um, Elf, uh, what's his name? Elric uh, series, I think mm, also. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, you might break. Yeah. It's been a long time since I read that, so I'm not getting, <laughs> don't hold me to that. Shelly, were you going to have a point there as well on that? Oh, just to say that to the best of my knowledge, Robert Jordan was influenced by Tolkien. Of course. Um, who wasn't. And, and if memory serves, the world that Robert Jordan created was 
considered like the first best new world building that didn't follow Tolkien's world, um, but actually created such a massive scale new world on its own. Um, and that's what made it stand out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That in yeah. 800 page books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say Tolkien did it in three. Yeah, he did. <laughs> to, well, to well he's the yeah. master. Smaller books. <laughs> I have a, a shelf full of his writings that uh, would uh, dispute that. It's just three that were published as one story, and then all of the stuff his son published. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's everything else, right? Well, and yeah. then there was The Hobbit, you know, the prequel. Yeah, 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 yeah. There were notes. <laughs> there everything were notes. else was notes. Yes, that's true. That is true. Yeah. Um, one thing I would point out, I don't, I don't want to make this about Tolkien, but uh, is Tolkien's influence extends to sort of the concept of a dark lord. Uh, my wife Melanie, who is a you know uh, she was an English literature professor before we got married, uh, but so she was pointing out that that wasn't a thing in literature. Like they, like in medieval literature, they had you know magic. There was you know uh, uh, Morgan Le Fay and that sort of thing. You had people with magic, but there wasn't a idea of a, of a singular figure who had uh, who represented evil that had to be defeated. And so uh, that could be a part of that influence you see here as well, um, which is interesting. Um, kind of anyway it's yeah, it's an interesting comparison and we all have we have to compare everything to Tolkien in the fantasy genre I guess well I think that's that's one of the things that this is this series does really well is it it falls back to those archetypes right where there is good there is evil yes there is internal struggle to the heroes but the heroes are heroes and that's kind of it that's one of the one of the markers that I will say for this series that makes it a really good read because you're not going to get into like a really super devolved conversation about well what is good what is evil there's a very right. clear good and a very clear evil present oh, okay. and the the avoidance of the temptation to evil is present in all of the characters they all have to fight against the easy way out um and and that's that's the way evil is often represented is that it's it's the easy way it's the 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 way to get things faster and to uh to advance more quickly in in your art in uh whatever you're doing so that's a great it's it, it's a great moral tale. I will say that, and there there are some that get it, that muddy the waters. You know, if you're talking about George Martin, going back to that, it's oh, he yeah. muddies the waters oh, about boy. what's right and what's wrong constantly. And oh, so yeah. you never really know where you stand with any of the characters. With this series, you do. You know who the good guys are. You know who who the bad guys are. And when the good guys make bad decisions, you feel it, and and it kind of wrenches your guts, and 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 they feel it too. And that's the other thing, too, is, you know, there are good guys and bad guys and the good guys aren't perfect. There are no Mary Sue's in these characters at all. Um, and so, you know, even Randall Thor, who's the, the savior of the dragon, et cetera, et cetera. He makes bad mistakes. He makes gets egos crazy, frankly. You know, I mean, he's get his time, too. So, I mean, it's um, they are they, they're. they're they're more, like I said, morally right and wrong, but they're, that doesn't mean they're perfect. Well, that's an interesting point. So how do you think the, t the, the, the show does it? I want, I got to figure out the right terminology. How does that, the show do with that? Does it keep the, the clear distinction of good versus evil or does it muddy the waters? Do you think? Uh, Cause from my point of view, some of these characters seem to walk a line uh, like Moraine, I think does. And, you know, the Ace, the Ace Sedai, I mean, that's what my notes is. Are the Ace Sedai the good guys? Because they. I, and that's the question in the books. <laughs> right, yeah. right. That's very much a Maybe question. Some in the are books. and some aren't. But I, I was going to say, it's it's not a monolithic thing. That's the, you know, mm -hmm. you, you can't take the whole group as a whole. Uh, but each character does have their moments. And and we we have seen some of the darker parts of the characters pulled forward. In, in this show versus the books. Uh, Perrin's a great example. Uh, in the books, he does not have a wife at the beginning. There's oh. none of this, like, he, he murdered his wife, and that's why. It, it, that's not present at all. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and, and Brandon Sanderson, he wrote, uh, as the, the series was in productions, like, I told him, get rid of that. I told him, if, you know, if he wanted, it, what he wanted, what he thought is, if they had to have where Perrin killed someone, kill uh, uh, Master Lucan, who right. is who he's he's oppressing under mm -hmm. oh, the blacksmith, right. the blacksmith. Yeah. Right. who isn't in the show mm -hmm. was no. he no 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 i think he was mentioned i think he was mentioned once like but that was about it but it was uh but it no they they, they added and this the character actually does come from the book uh, at one point i guess parent i don't remember it but parents said you know if we had stayed in the two rivers i probably would have married this girl oh, okay 
And so they just made, I'm curious. I mean, I guess it gives him an arc of, you know, the, the self doubt and the, and the, and, and that sort of thing. I, I, and, and it gives a way for evil to work on him. They wanted to age them too. They wanted them older. They were supposed to be 16, 17. I think nine of us supposed to be 19, early 20s. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but by aging them, he's they're all over 18. They're old enough to uh, parents married that. And see, when when I first started watching this, this series, that was a big turnoff for me. The way that they changed mm-hmm. the beginning, uh, the Rand at walking with his father, that was good. But then when they did the whole women's council and the braid and the river, I thought, OK, well, that's all right. And then when they introduced Perrin and Matt. Matt's pretty true, but Perrin was just way off. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? So so Perrin is probably the furthest from the book character then? In the beginning. In the beginning. Yes, yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. I, I, I will say, though, uh, the, the, the way they handled the women, and this is something that, Thomas, you and I kind of talked about <laughs> <Yeah>. on offline, <laughs> where, you know, some concerns about kind of how the women are cast. And it's like, have you read the books lately? Uh, which I hadn't it's been a while right the the women of two rivers basically come across as bullies in the books oh (laughs) towards the men I mean it's it's pretty bad and you see a little of that where of course you know Tam and Rand come in Tam Althor Rand's father foster father come into come into town and of course all the women are like oh you need to come talk to this person you know they're trying to get Tam set up with and both Tam and Rand set up with women okay you know for getting married and in the book, it's much more explicit. It's like, no, you know, you, you, we got so-and-so coming to visit. You need to come over for supper tonight and, you know, that kind of deal. Um, and then Nynaeve, they, tamed, they tamed her big time in this, I think. Really? Because I mean, she, she, oh, in the book, she's literally walking around with a switch looking for guys who are causing trouble. She gets mad. <laughs> Not a Nintendo switch. Uh, they, they, do, they do it a couple of times in the series where she, like, grabs her braid. In the book, she's constantly tugging on her braid because she's mad about something and just like yeah. hauling on it because she's trying to keep herself in check. Yes. <laughs> she's, she's tugging on the braid with one hand and she's got a stick in another that she's going to go <laughs> smack some men. Okay. Cause the character in the show, you, she does come across as kind of um, angry, you know, like a kind of a little de- defensive, angry at the world a little bit, um, you know, sort of a, um, a grouch. She was, <laughs> she was orphaned at a young age. She was apprenticed to the wisdom. She's the youngest wisdom they've ever had. So she's constantly trying to assert her authority over these older men and women. The women accept her. The men have to fear her a little bit. Um, and in the show, I think they did a decent job of showing how protective she was of these four coming from her village. These okay. are my responsibility yeah. and I will bring them home safely. Um, and she does sorry, have an spoiler went in my head. But <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So she has a, a major role. I mean, that that's true to her character, that defensive oh, yeah. stat, stat, stature. Ugh. Okay. Sorry. Does she, you know, end up in a relationship with uh, Lan and is that part from the books as well? Not in the first book. Okay. It takes not like, the first book. Yeah, it's like, not only not, oh. it's like the fourth book yeah, we got a lot before that goes. Further in the book before this <laughs> happens. Yeah. Oh, okay. But they did a good job developing the chemistry between them. Yes. I mean, they really, mm-hmm. you felt it in the book, but even though it was rushed for the show, it worked. I really liked this concept that they have of the warder for the Ace Sedai, this guy who was pledged, but not necessarily romantic to the 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 woman that he's protecting and it but the, but there's a bond that goes beyond simply a, an employee uh but there's like a, a spiritual magical bond of some sort they're emotionally connected they, yes yeah yeah that's one thing they 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 did it. i'm going to say this they did a good job of introducing a lot of concepts without just flat out doing the star trek we're going to tell you everything about <laughs> standing it standing at consoles talking um, yes <laughs> yeah they and that was one of them where I think I think the first time they hinted that there was a connection between the warder and the Ace Sedai is when Lan had been drinking and and Moraine is is all touchy feely <laughs> and emotional and it's and he said you get emotional whenever I drink <laughs> right <laughs> right that and they just kind of hint right there that there's a connection that what the what the warder feels the Ace Sedai feels and vice versa except she can mask it she can mask yes. so that he yes. doesn't know which is interesting. They had this. I, I I have heard that this relationship between Moraine and the uh, 
what's it called? Uh, the Amarillan Seat. Amarillan Seat. Juan Sanchez. Okay. Yep. Um, that that's not in the books, right? Uh, yeah, uh, it, it is. is. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, thought, not, no, I don't remember being so graphic. <laughs> yeah. I think it was more implied. Okay. He's not a George R.R. R. Martin. They're pillow friends okay. is the phrase that they would use. I see. I see. Yeah. I, I, I was a little disappointed that the series kind of, it doesn't get like full on explicit, but it broadly tells you what's going on. You know what? We were, uh, uh, yeah. Alicia and I were really disappointed in that, not because of the scene itself. I don't really mind. I don't really mind that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But what happens later is that she tells the story of how she, she's talking with Rand towards the end of the, of the of the show and tells how she learned how to be uh, how to use magic. And it was by her her mentor coming into her room at night and basically abusing her. And when you put that in context of what was happening with her and Suan, it's just that's not okay. Like there's all sorts of levels of that's not okay anymore. And, and that was, was what really bothered us. Yeah. That, that does actually, cause it, it implies something to the audience that, uh, that, yeah, that is not good. Yeah, you're right. Well, and it also tears down the, the, the relationship that you're creating between Moraine and the Merlin seat, because uh, now the question is, was, well, is that a result of her abuse? Like, is that just a, so now you've you've taken this thing that you were trying to say is like normal and fine and whatever, and you've put it in this light of, yeah. well, has she been abused? And that's why she's, you know, responding in this way. Is this all still part of that same dynamic for in, her? In the, the, the prequel book does talk about how um, when Moraine and Suwan were both apprentices, you know, novices at the same time, that they did have a novice ma- mistress who was abusive. Who would go in and you know switch them if they couldn't? And you, again, in the book later on, you see that with Nynaeve. But I don't think they're going to have that here because in the book she's blocked from the source until she gets mad. She would not. She couldn't. And Nynaeve could not channel until she would get upset. But uh, I did want to mention uh, with the Amberlynn seat. Did she look familiar, Dom? Yes, she was uh, Queen Elizabeth in uh, or uh, what they call her, Liz. Liz ten. Liz ten in uh, Doctor Who. The uh, Britain as Britain space whale. The, the U- <laughs> yep, it was the, uh, the 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 first regular episode with the eleventh uh, Doctor Matt Smith and uh, Amy Pond. Yeah, yeah. So she went from playing the Queen of England to the the head of the Ace and I. <laughs> and did did any of you who read the book think that her her character was cast differently than you envisioned it when you read the books? Yeah, because there were some characters that I was like, oh, that's spot on. Mm-hmm. And then there were a few that I was like, wait, that's yeah, because she's right. supposed to be in the, in, and they, they show one in a flashback. But Siwon's supposed to be the daughter of, of a fisherman and a fisherman herself. Mm-hmm. And I always got the impression it was more I'll say Vietnamese, uh, you know, more of, of, a, of an Asian background. Um, yeah, and that's then, definitely how I would have cast it. Yeah, I, I, can, I can see that. Uh, yeah. Lan was spot on. I will, oh. I will say that. Lan was amazing. Moraine was oh. spot on to me, too. Yeah. The, only, the only problem I have with Moraine, in the book, she's about a foot shorter than Lan. Mm-hmm. She's like petite, tiny, small, and Lan's just towering over her. In this, they're you know, a couple inches different. Other than the that, no, you're, you're right. So yeah, <laughs> Rosamund Pike is good. And uh, Daniel Henney as Lan, I thought... What a great character! I just love mm-hmm. the character of Lan. It's but my I think might be my favorite character because there's something sort of uh, regal about him, which is mm-hmm. subtle. Gee, I like well, well, that's the thing I love is they don't tell you. Well, they tell you at the end of the series that he comes from a royal family that, of a kingdom that's no longer. So yep. uh, it's that I, I like how they. Family. Yes, I I, I like. You're hinting at things. The spoilers to me. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, but I like that the subtle way that he plays it, so that we it it, it when, when we get this reveal, it's it makes sense. You're like, oh, okay, all right. That's it's. And nice. he, he played the opening so well because that is that is Lance's character. Is he does not open up to you until he trusts you, and then it gradually comes out, and that's where you start to see where he starts, you know, being a little more open and free with not just naive but all of them you know willing to express himself i think he was my favorite in the books too mm-hmm. uh, you know i liked Definitely moraine an and, and we have not gotten enough of tom the gleeman i mean oh no i don't they know but are they are but, not exploring this at all i, I 
They've got I don't to bring think they're it gonna, back. I don't think they're going to take him, though. I think they 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 ran his course right there because that was oh, really that was the pits because he's, he's one of the great. He's wonderful. I mean, so there's this whole so series in the first book. Yeah, there's this whole series in the first book where Rand and Matt, that, that whole series where they're separated, they have to learn to survive. Like they have to make it on their own, basically. And Tom helps them. Tom teaches them how to be Gleeman. And then they lose Tom at, at basically in a similar way. And then they have to go off and make it on their own to to get to Tarvalon and, and come back together with the team. Right. And so there's like this whole series there that was really absent from the book that I'm I'm interested how they're going to come back with that, because that plays a role in the next few books in a very big way. Huh? So we'll see. You're right, because as someone who hadn't read the books, I'm thinking this character that we've introduced is very interesting. I want to learn more about him. And then suddenly (laughs) he's gone. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Like, it must be a book thing. But, you know, it's like that that's it's a character that they they wrote for the series really well. I mean, Mm -hmm. because it showed a lot of promise, a lot of interesting, a lot of potential depth there. Well, maybe they maybe they're going to figure out a way to bring him back, I guess. But um I mean, it's possible that they're going to they're going to figure out some way to to introduce introduce him back in on more because he becomes a, a, a fairly significant figure going forward. You know, uh, is not there just... any. Sorry, is there any news how many uh, seasons they're potentially hoping to make? They got renewed for a second. They've but already got it. a second. But yeah, they haven't. That's yeah. all I know. Yeah, they, they didn't say I, I how long. Yeah. And I can't see them doing one season per book. I can see them, mm-hmm. you know, starting because we know they're going to do the second book, which is the, the Great Hunt, the Hunt for the Horn, because they've already set that up. Right. Yeah. But beyond that. Right. Well, right. I, I, I hope that they I hope that they're careful with the way they do it, because uh, and going from, you know, talking about Tom, who didn't have enough screen time to the Lord Egelmar and Lady Amalissa in uh, in the end. And that last that last thing with the battle at Tarwin's Gap and her like draw channeling and drawing the other women into the that's not in the books at all. OK. And so I, it was it was very confusing to me. And my, my wife made a good point uh, that she said that that was probably the most interesting female character that they had in the whole series to her. Like she really just attached to her, loved the concept of her. And was super upset that they didn't explore any of that. <laughs> like they just kind of laid it out there, and were, and she was like, "Why is her relationship with her brother so messed up? What is the situation in this town that they that this is okay?" Like she she wanted a million questions answered about that character that just kind of dropped, and that's because they really did alter that character for the show and gave her a much bigger role in part of the story that wasn't written, and so. I'm worried that that's the one thing that concerns me about the show going forward is that that's their big moment to shine where they said second to last episode, you know what, whatever you know about the books, forget it. We're not going to do it. And then the last episode is like nothing from the books at all. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and well, so, so, yeah, <laughs> that's do you think they the were maybe it. trying to take a page out of the whole uh, what was the two rivers called before in the other age? Uh, Mantheran? Manetherin? Possibly. And and it's in. It's in the extras. It's in the bonus content if you're watching on Amazon Prime. Oh. Um, the story. And, and Moraine tells them the story as they're singing that. Oh, that was beautiful. The singing the song a oh, long, yeah. long ago. And uh, she tells them about how he held on for three days, 10 days. Help didn't come. And then the the wife, the queen, went out and did that. And she used so much of the power that she burnt up and, and was That's destroyed. Right. But she protected all the children and their minders. And so they came out to a broken and nothing world and rebuilt. But obviously the old blood, the old legend still runs as stories in the two rivers. So when you say that, I'm wondering if maybe they're trying to use that element of that strong woman protecting and place that inside um a, a later episode i would have liked a reminder of that just previous to it i think that would have i i agree i think that would have wrapped it up really nicely and one one thing they did show and we saw it before as well is that the those who can channel the power can link you know again the, the good thing they did of you know showing not telling of they can link and increase the amount of power they're using because they can all draw power and that's where you see them in, in that last that scene 
where they're all linked together and they're fighting the Trollocs and people are dropping. They're burning out, literally. I mean, you know, burning out from the power and again, doing a good job saying you can pull too much power and burn yourself, literally. And good show not tell about the uh, Angriel. Um, Moraine's is the blue stone that she wears on her forehead. She shows it to, uh, who does she show it to? Egwene, I think, when she's trying to teach her how to channel. And then um, she gives one to Rand. And I could not remember if that was in the book, if she gave him the Angriel that early. Yeah, I, I can't remember does. for that one either. I know Now, the, the thing, the pendant that she was wearing on her head is a focus point for her. So sometimes women, when they're channeling, they need to focus on something to get comfortable with channeling. And that was her focus point was that. Okay. That, then that's what it was. And that's what she was that's why it, she wears it. She was showing that to Gwen as, you know, saying here, you know, to help learn how to channel, you have to learn how to focus it. And this is how I would do it. It was this. I thought that was a great tie in where she's telling her focus and, the, and there's nothing but the river. There's nothing but the water flowing. And in the very beginning of episode one, Nine pushes her into the water and says, trust the river. Which, which, by the way, that becomes that becomes important for how men channel because it's very different. They're not just trust the river; they're fight the river. Okay. That yin yang thing. Yep. So the the, the sangral, the this stone is the word is the same as the word that is used the holy blood. It's used of the holy grail. That's that's actually you know the the where the grail comes from is from sangral. Uh, I find that very interesting. So the the stone is kind of a holy grail talisman sort of thing. Yeah, it's the idea of it is it's an object from the Age of Legends, object from the time of the, the first first dragon. And there's Angrel, Sangrel, and then Terangrel. We'll see eventually, probably in the next season. But the Angrel are weaker than the Sangrel, and so, but they're they're objects that can help you channel more of the force, more of more of the force. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering which was going to slip up my face, but anyways, I didn't do it. I didn't uh, do more, it. More, more of more of the power. Okay, <laughs> but you know, it helps them to channel more, more of the one power than they like can a do magnifier. on their fire. Yeah, but it also protects them. They aren't going to burn up as long as they have one. Exactly. Oh, okay. But and very I, much like the concept of a chalice, where you could, it fills to overflowing, and you use the overflowing power. Like it's even described very much that way. Okay. So Thomas, you said something that they pretty much follow the books up to the last episode and then go off the rails so to speak mm -hmm. from the books what's different what is what is what is in this last episode that isn't a part of the books so in the books everybody arrives at that last city together including matt matt's with them uh and then they all go from there into the blight and uh, there's no separation of anybody there they still don't know who the dragon reborn is i think by that point, I don't think Moraine even knows. I think she has a lot of uh, an idea, but she doesn't know. They all travel to the eye of the world. Uh, there's some really interesting, weird stuff that happens there. And Rand is kind of taken into this alternate reality, very similarly to this. And we're introduced to a whole slew of characters that we're not sure as as readers who are watching the show. We're not sure if they exist or not at this point. So uh, there's this group of characters called the Forsaken who were like, the, the dark ones closest groupies and they end up uh kind of tricking rand into believing that they are the dark one and then try and pull him away and do very similar to what happens in the in, in the last episode but it's the cronies not the dark one himself and rand figures out how to kill them cleverly and and it, it kind of shows his power and his creativity in that in that moment uh so it's very different than what ends up happening here and then when they when they leave it's not the sense that they're going to separate and never see each other again and like try and go their own way and be forced back together so it really does break from the books in a very big way hmm. exactly and one of the biggest ones is right at the end where maureen is cut off from the source mm -hmm. that is not in the books at all oh Okay. So I don't know where they're going with that. Now they're again in the books there are points where people being cut off from the source are are healed and I don't know if that's where they're going to end up with. I don't know. So 
well, that's, the parallels to The Witcher are very interesting too. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I, I'm sitting here wondering if J.K. Rowling read this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she probably well, did. Oh yeah. my gosh, there's like little oh, yeah. things. I'm like, oh, yeah. don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and then the uh, the horn of Valer, which is stolen by the Dark Friends. Um, interesting concept. It can summon the greatest warriors of history. So therefore, steal it away. I'm gonna guess that's Chekhov's horn. They'll show up again. Oh yes, well, that's scenes. like a, the, the the next the next book is called The Great Hunt. No, mm-hmm. and it's it's the it's the the hunt for the horn. So, so the, that will probably be a big element in the next season of the show. Then most likely, okay. um, right. yeah, it, it's and it's an important. It's again, it's an important artifact that plays into the future story. But like I said, I'm really interested where Matt is. Where is Matt in all of this? Because he he did not separate from the group at this point. <laughs> and it's like no. Yeah, why would they do that? I mean, I get it because they're showing him tainted by by the dagger at Shadar Lagoth, but it's like, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to go there, we're missing an entire city and like five major characters that they've they've got to introduce in a future season, which we won't go into. But I love that they brought in Loyal. I mean, so early, and it's it, I. I'm not going to say I'd forgotten about him, but when he showed up, I was like, oh, that's right. Loyal is the sort of giant uh, guy, the big. Yeah, he's the Ogier. Ogier, which Ogier? is like Ogre. Ogier, Ogier. How yeah. are you? I, I, I do struggle with the pronunciations of, of some, some of the words, but <laughs> um, yeah, he uh, he's in the first book. He, mm-hmm. you know, they meet him at the city that hasn't been mentioned yet mm-hmm. in the book. Instead, they moved right. him to Tarvalon instead. Okay. Well, then Min was elsewhere too, right? Min was met Min was much in earlier. Berlan, I think, which was early in the book. Um, yeah, but it worked the way they introduced her, so I hadn't yeah. really. I, yeah, I really couldn't remember if she was in Baldara or not. The 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 the, the was she future Baldara? seer, the one that we could see. Well, that's okay. where they found her in this. Anyways. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's the one that who could the, the bartender. The prophetess. Yeah. The bartender she can see the auras. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, she's going to be interesting. So. Um, I, I don't want to finish without talking about another major element in this, is which is the the tinkers that Perrin and Egwin connect with. They're they're kind of pacifists, and they follow something called the Way of the Leaf, which they say uh, the leaf lives its appointed time and does not struggle against the wind that carries it away. The leaf does no harm and finally fails falls to nourish new leaves. So it should be with all men and women. Uh, so basically, it's an extreme pacifism. Uh, philosophy, and well, we, this, we I, see that I would in the say book. it's not even so much pacifism as it's the the wind blows where the wind blows. We go wherever you know. It's just in a Christian viewpoint, we would say it would be an ex- extreme trust in the will of God. Okay, you, you know, yeah. God wills it, or or as, as Islam says it, Allah wills it. You know, yeah, it, inshallah, so, yeah. Since since know, we're going with the Buddhist tradition, this might be a very Tao. Uh, yeah, perspective of the world, like not taking what comes and not being, uh, not fighting it, not resisting the way that the world turns. Right. I mean, you could see this in the yeah, and like sort of even like uh, Saint Francis or Saint Dominic, the mendicant way, which is just to go out and whatever whatever comes comes, wherever the food comes from, the food comes from, and sort of being just open to the Holy Spirit leading. The Spirit blows where the Spirit wills, and if I'm a leaf on the wind. Watch me soar. Sorry, bringing in a little firefly too soon. <laughs> too early. Wash. Too early. It's always too soon. Always, always too soon. Always too soon for Wash. Spoilers. Um, I, w- I will say that that is a philosophy that's going to come up very much more. And it is it is very interesting the way that it is dealt with. And I don't want to say too much more because I don't want to spoil oh, it, anything. But it's, it's, it's a great. And, and the way where it comes from and where it's connected to. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. It, it might actually, you know, depending on. Because they, they made it clear, at least I think they made it clear that Rand is going to the ale waste next. Oh, well, which is. Yeah. And uh, so this could I, come up actually in the next season. I thought they introduced the ale very, very well. with that, But wasn't he original? The, the ailment in the cage, wasn't he originally alive in the books? I don't remember. Uh, that was the, remember. the guy in the mining town who's, who was dead in the cage that Matt was going going for the stones. For. Right. And Tom tells him who he is, that he's an ailman. And suddenly Matt realizes that Rand has the same shocking height and red hair 
Dun dun da da. He's Scottish, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Without because, the accent. Yeah, because that woman, the pregnant, the nine month pregnant woman fighting warrior, was pretty impressive. Let me tell you, that oh, was yeah, yeah, yeah that's gonna be good. Wait <laughs> <laughs> till you see them when they're not nine months pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was very interesting, and it took me by surprise. I did not expect it to turn out to be that. Oh, that's Rand's mom, and that's his step foster dad uh, there. But then, so, okay. But then, going back to the Tinkers, you have the opposite side of the coin of the Tinkers. You got the White Cloaks, who are oh, you know gosh. they're 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 the they're the zealots. They're the, they're the the religious zealots of you know if you're not the way we like it, you're against the light, and we will so kill you. Who? One of the things that kind of gets me is I don't understand. Is there a is there a political order in this world? Are there kings? Is there governments? Yes, yes, yes. Because yes. absolutely, which, that's what that's what Shelley was talking about earlier. The, yeah. the city that we miss, we see that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, the, the best we can say without getting too much spoiler is that the Two Rivers is part is a province of the Kingdom of Andor, and we meet the the queen and every, everything like that. So, okay, so. Because that, because the thing that gets me is like, so who's in charge here? So you got the Ace Sedai, who seem to be fairly powerful, and they rule this city, or at least they're the most prominent. Or something about that city, tell, 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 uh, Tarvalon. Tarvalon. Thank you. And then we have these white cloaks, who, if they encounter an Ace Sedai on the road, they are going to kill her. And so, who's what authority do they have to do what they're doing? And it's kind of so. Are they like a from a church or? So, you know, it's it's very sort of up in the air and you get the feeling that they're kind of an Inquisition sort of thing. Crusader. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, religious zealot. Yeah. 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 Um, but sort of like but apolitical, James. apolitical in the sense that they don't belong to a single political organization. They have their own city also, the way the Aes Sedai have Tarvalon or Tower Valon. Um, oh, what was the name of their city? Was it Amador? That's Armador right. something. Somebody started with an A. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I will say that I was not expecting. I was young when I read these books and I don't remember the violence being quite so vivid in my mind as much as the relationships of the characters. So when they introduce the Trollocs, I was like, oh, that's a little worse than I expected. And the the fade, the mere draw, those scared the bejeebies out of me <laughs> and then season uh, episode two was it opens with the the children of the light and the the questioner with the hands and i'm like oh my gosh i don't think i can watch this it's too violent right. well <laughs> um isn't that the benefit of books versus shows yes. right we, mm -hmm. we love to see the on screen and made real but uh a book when you read a book it's only as violent as your imagination makes it well, or that, only as explicit i, I, I want to I want to say that Robert Jordan does understate the violence quite a bit. I, you know, he talks about that. The questioners are very violent. He talks about that. The white cloaks will, you know, will kill any Aes Sedai they find, but he doesn't get as graphic. You he know? doesn't he describe it. Yeah. He doesn't revel in anything. That's that's he, he revels in the lore, but not in the gore. He doesn't, he doesn't even revel in this, in the sexuality. There are, there are instances of it, but it's not like uh, most of them are plot related and not and they don't take a long time like you're not sitting there for pages going oh my gosh why am i still reading this yeah, right yeah right. again george R. R. it's R. more like an yeah. aside or a mention or and this happened and oh we're over here with the action or the dialogue right. yep so right right yeah and there's points that it fits in because of course these characters are going to get into relationships and he talks about the fact that yeah they're they're going to do what people in relationships do mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and where and where applicable, some of the characters are driven by baser instincts, and it's it's shown that they are baser instincts. So some of the Forsaken, since we talked about them already, anyway, uh, some of the Forsaken are like chief of lust, basically, and so you know the the cardinal sins are kind of brought out on display with some of these characters. Yeah, can, can I think of a Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood? The mm -hmm. yep, the uh, what. <laughs> So kind of like those those characters, the bad guys in there, um, but it, it it's yeah. It, so you, you you see all that those different elements, and then you got Pat and Fane, who's just evil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I thought that was perfectly done, actually. Which one was Pat and Fane? Let's just remind the me. The merchant that. that appears in the two rooms oh. at the beginning, and then at the end helps the dark. I friends knew he get was in. a bad guy when I saw him in that first <laughs> you episode. Know, I I hate to <laughs> I I hate to say is my first thought when I found out who when they said who he was. It's like. And excuse me, but 
they cast a black guy for that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, because knowing you know, the issues of racism and political correctness in our culture. I, I did today, not notice that first. I, I think for me, the, the first thing I noticed was that it was a very multicultural cast. Um, and aside from a Gwaine, I, I did, she was the only one that I really didn't have in my head as being of a multicultural racial ethnicity of any kind. Um, it worked. Um, uh, Nynaeve to me, it didn't have any problem with that at all. Perrin doesn't look the way I pictured Perrin. Matt's pretty Matt's good. Pretty darn he adapted yeah, it really <laughs> well. Rand just had to be tall with red hair. Um, yeah. And the others we've already talked about. So, well, don't get um, too attached to the actor who played Matt because he's not back for season two. They've recast <gasps> it. What? Oh, yeah. Bummer. There's a. I wonder if that's why they they cut the character out mm-hmm. the way. They did. And you know, maybe that's we were talking about Tom earlier. I was thinking maybe that's where they're, how they're going to get Tom back into it is when Matt rejoins them as well. Well, maybe they're going to jump ahead to another part of Matt's story that we're not going to talk about because it's a spoiler. And maybe they're <laughs> going to bring that element in sooner in episode in a season two that would make than sense. we might have thought because then we can get the dice <laughs> rattling in his head i love the dice in his head <laughs> so um just to, to let people know that they've they're right now as we release this and re- record this they're filming season two and it's due to wrap up filming in february 2022 so, so. Oh, cool. So we about the about a year after the first season comes out, we could have the second season. Yeah, I my guess is the fall of 2022. We cool. should see season and two. And in the meantime, we can go watch all those wonderful bonus videos and the behind the scenes looks. And yeah, now I'm going to have to go grab my Amazon account again. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm the same way. I'm um, like, wait, there's more? What? <laughs> read the, I'm watching it on my, on my Kindle Fire, so I, I can tap it and see all the trivia pop up on the sides. Oh, um, yeah. So if you've got that feature take advantage of it. It's really, it's really good. And then um, if, if you still want more after that, go grab the books. So books are on my list. Very long hold list on my library. (laughs) Yeah. I've got all all the, all the books are all sitting over most of them, except for one, the first two are sitting in the garage. So I'll have to run over and get all the rest of them. Well, I have a love hate relationship with this series. I recommend it to everybody, but I just can't, I don't know. I cannot, I, I am I am a person who has a lot of patience with books and I read a lot. So for me to say that I couldn't get through a series, there was just something that I was not connecting with. And I really do think it was the fact that he he doesn't have a uh, the, the thing I love about Tolkien is that he knows exactly where he's going with the story when he begins. And with Jordan, it feels like he has a general idea. The characters are leading him. Right. There are some writers who the character leads them through the story mm -hmm. and other writers who know exactly where that character is going to go. Bingo. And and that's that's what Jordan feels like. (laughs) And and one one thing I kind of get the feeling of Jordan, he he made the the choice that he was going to show every part of his world. Mm -hmm. Because as you read through the books, you see all of his world. You see all of what he's got. I mean, there's there's nothing held back. There are writers who are world builders primarily like that their love is to build the world and place stories in it tolkien sm stephen sterling sm sterling uh brandon mm-hmm. sanderson robert jordan and, and that's the, and, and that's that by the way that's good. why brandon sanderson was such a great choice for oh this. yeah yeah and and that can be good but sometimes they get so in love with their world that they're wanting to wander off into the did you know that the caravan ec- ec- economy over in this part of the world is very interesting that's nice oh, but gets, that's not the story <laughs> it, it gets into some of that into yeah. Rand's uh yeah frustration let's just put it that way so there there is there is that element that can pop up in that sort of storytelling which is interesting i think one of the brilliant things about the the authors that are really good at it though is that they leave more unsaid than yes. said yes Tolkien, I always want to know what was just south of Gondor? Like what was down there? Mm-hmm. Uh, we never got to see that. Like uh, Jackson. But they talk about there. the Sutherlings. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. And what's east of Mordor? And, you know, like there's more, there's much more to that world. And we're left wanting. And that's fine. The, that's wizard, fine. the wizards are mentioned. See, that's the thing is like every every single question you could have about Tolkien. It's because he cleverly dropped a hint. Yes. And, and left you imagining that thing. And and with Jordan, a lot of times I feel like he just he couldn't drop a hint. Like he's like, oh, yeah, there's this thing. There's this thing. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Like, check <laughs> it out. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. And, 
And by the way, can we can we j- just bring up one one last group that we haven't talked about yet that we only saw for about thirty seconds? The Senchan. Mm. So oh, at the yeah. end <laughs> of the last one, there's it, go, it goes to black like it's going to credits, and then it's got this scene on the beach, and these boats are coming in mm-hmm. right. with these these channelers who are moving the water. They're moving the wind. The Senchan. Okay. And they're going to be big. They're very important going forward. Okay. And it's so cool the way they introduced them. Mm-hmm. I was looking for the Statue of Liberty on the beach. Uh, <laughs> they did it! They did it! Those crazy. I but wasn't they, they sure about it until we saw the callers, and then I was like, "Oh my gosh, they went there! They went there already!" It's yeah. So the the the, the callers and the, the wristband. I don't know. Should should we keep the the uh, the spoiler? Don't, about don't, anything about don't spoil it. Don't, don't no, spoil don't it. Okay, okay we'll leave we'll alone. Other else. than to say let that, them be the, sus- let them be in suspense too. That, that <laughs> they, they are very a very interesting addition to the story at this point. Let's just okay. put it that way. Very good. Awesome. Any other things we want to say about the, the I had more notes that I haven't got to, but uh, you know, we're already an hour in, so I, I don't want to hold you guys too long, but uh, it's good discussion so far. Any other notes, Father Corey? All I can say is I want to go to, I think it was Hungary and uh, where they filmed this. The mm-hmm. scenery is oh, yeah. gorgeous yeah. all throughout. They pick some amazing shooting spots for all this scenery. It's just beautiful. Thomas, any uh, last notes? I, I will say I like I like the bent that uh, a lot of different producers are taking in making not the book series that is it's based on, but it's not the book. And that I, I like that because it shows that they understand the series uh, and that they're putting things together in a way that's logical and condensing the series into something you know reasonable. Just good. I like I like that they're doing that. The two different art forms, books and movies and mm-hmm. or TV shows. Shelly? Um, I just want to say that where in the first episode, I wasn't really feeling it. I really changed my mind after I got past the Children of the Light in the hands. But um, I'm looking forward to it, to season two now. I'm really curious how they're going to bring in characters I know need to be in this story. And they've done a really good job of establishing characters that I can connect with and and want to follow. And I, I'm enjoying the costuming and the set, mm-hmm. like y'all mentioned before. Yeah. Um, I don't need to see another Trolloc, but... <laughs> <laughs> well well done. Done. You'll see plenty of them. <laughs> well oh, darn. <laughs> awesome. So what I want to say is um, sort of tangential. I, I really enjoyed this. I'm looking forward to season two. Uh, I'm fascinated by the world that Jordan created and that they've interpreted for the screen. Uh, I'm it, it also this series actually gives me hope for the Tolkien series, which mm-hmm. is not a reboot of the Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings. People, it is not a reboot of the Lord of the Rings. Stop saying that. <laughs> um, I have a, everything's a reboot now. Nowadays, no. It but it gives me hope that it's not the same people creating it, but Amazon has spent a lot of money on both of these properties. And clearly wants does not want to alienate the fan bases of they've they've they don't haven't alienated the Wheel of Time fans and they really don't want to alienate the Tolkien fans and so it gives me hope that they they're not going to do damage to that. Um, my plan when that series eventually comes out someday is we're going to have a whole show on Star Quest. Uh, we're going to revive the Secrets of Middle Earth and do a episode by episode on that because that's just worthwhile to do can can i also say tying into that dom is you know there, there's still the uh merger of M- mgm and amazon that's underway that they're trying to get done this brings out big time hope for me as a stargate fan yeah. because yeah. amazon has kind of made squawks that they want to do a new stargate series once they get mgm bought up right i, it, I mean it, it doesn't mean that it's everything that they do is going to be touched by go- touch of gold necessarily but it they did such a good job with this that i'm looking forward i'm hopeful of of their other things that they've clearly spent a lot a lot I mean literally a billion dollars they spent to get Tolkien uh you know it's Ooh, wow. it, it's the most money ever spent to acquire a property uh well, so so uh, Bezos just opened up his his wallet and pulled out his pocket change right yeah basically right <laughs> said, I, I actually want this one guys let's let's go <laughs> tell, tell, I'll, I'll pay for this one myself <laughs> yeah I'll take one less launch of the uh, Shepherd one 
<laughs> I do wish that they would make these just a touch longer. Eight episodes mm-hmm. didn't feel like enough to, oh, to put mm-hmm. it all into. I wish they'd done 12. I'll just say that. If it had been on a network television, it would have been a longer, more drawn out drama. 26 hour episodes. Long. That's my primary complaint about most the streaming shows these days, whether it's Mandalorian or The Witcher or this or whatever, is they're all six, eight, or 10 episodes it's not it it doesn't feel like enough it's longer than a movie i get that but like hawkeye was six episodes come on i mean there's 53 chapters in this book i think you need more than eight. (laughs) i don't think you need 53 but the problem is they're still building on that netflix model where it was dump them all at one time and you couldn't get people to to binge more than eight hours at a time right and they need to get over that because they're doing these weekly releases and if they really want this stuff to stick, like, I mean, if we had a run of, of 12 to 26 of these, we probably would have picked up a weekly show for yeah. it because it's weekly, long enough bi-weekly to at, at most. Yeah. yeah. Or at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and, and Dom, Dom, by, by the way, there is one series that we really do want to be shorter. That's streaming. <laughs> yes. Star, Star Trek, Trek Discovery. Discovery. Yes. <laughs> that one could be. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I, 26 is, I know is too much to ask for these days, you know, but but longer than eight, a, a dozen episodes, I think, is really the sweet spot now. And I think um, I know it's expensive and it takes time and I get all that. And they, they have all the special effects and all that sort of stuff. Um, and we already are already waiting a year or more before we can get the next season. And so that's one of the things. If we can draw it out for 12 weeks, three months while you're filming it and producing it. And then it yeah. just I don't know. I'm not a studio executive so what do i know that, that, that being said they, they did a really good job with taking a very complex yeah. first book and putting it down into eight episodes in my opinion i mean i think they did a really good job and amazon did its job of wanting to sell me a book which is i want to go out and get the wheel of time series <laughs> there there goes. The real reason. that's the real reason. at least the first five yes yeah. <laughs> right yeah. so far i mean who knows maybe that maybe the 11th one is like gold and we just haven't read it yet but <laughs> yeah. all right let's let's wrap it up there uh before we go i want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and tv shows including Kathleen F., Tom L., Daniel D., Kelly B., and Max S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of Wheel of Time Season 1? and or how they did adapting the books to the show you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash secrets or the starquest facebook page or send an email to secrets at sqpn.com until next time shelly kelly thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of wheel of time that was a pleasure thomas center ho thank you too it was great to be here and father Corey stika thank you as well well my pleasure and thank you dom And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of movies and TV shows on StarQuest. Quest.